Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I am here this afternoon with Cliff Holmes. We met through Facebook, uh, part of the Live and Earn in Paradise group, and he just happened to be visiting our island paradise of Isla Mujeres, and so I convinced him to sit down for an interview. And um, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me this afternoon. Thank you, Don. I'm so happy. <laughs> and your view out the window is like, it is paradise. It isn't like paradise. It is paradise. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it, it really doesn't get old. It's a, it's a lovely view, and I'm glad you, you're facing that direction. Oh, so. Me too. <laughs> anyway, so you are from Missouri, and yes. we had a chance to talk the other day, uh, pool, side, pool patio uh, happy hour uh, get together. So um, really amazing story, and that's why I grabbed him for this interview. I really wanted to have him talk about some of his experiences, but um, CPA background um, professionally, but grew up on a farm. You want to tell me how that came about? Okay. Um, I was born at 630 in the morning. Okay. <laughs> I won't go quite that far back. Yeah. Well, I was raised on a farm, a dairy farm. Um, I left the farm very early, um, at 17 years old and started uh, university. Graduated with a degree in accounting, um, and there's a lot of time in between there, but I'm sure we have limited time, so we'll, I'll try not to regress with the real boring stuff. I was only I only worked in the accounting world until I was 39 years old, um, and uh, consequently and simultaneously during my college years, it began my I think it was my second semester in college. I uh, I started reading a lot, and I was already already interested in it before I started reading a lot about real estate investing, but it, it, it kind of clicked for me early on, which is really unusual, but I was kind of an entrepreneur. I mean, I was the, I was the six-year-old boy that went, went through the, the countryside looking for pennies and nickels and quarters from our neighbors of what could I do? What can you pay? What can you pay me? And of course, when you're a little boy uh, and, you're, and you're an entrepreneurial spirit, you realize you can smile really good. And then everybody's going to give you at least a quarter for doing much, much of anything. And it stuck. So I was all, I was always creating, uh, jobs for myself in my, in, in, in the community where I was raised, rural, very rural Missouri. Um, there was 29, 28 kids in my graduating class. It was a very small school, very small town. Um, so, um, during my college years, uh, I, I realized there was a big world out there off the farm and the opportunities to me were enormous, unlimited. So I just went for it and I started buying one at a time and turning some of them into rentals, even some of my houses that I owned. I would own them for a while, then I would rent them out for a while, go to the next home. And during that same period of time, of course, after graduation, I went to work for the firm. And at 39, I was actually making more money out of the firm than I was as a partner in the firm. So um, I said, goodbye guys, I'm going, and I was gonna retire. 
Well, I was talking to Don about that recently, and I, I won't, we won't go deeply into that. It didn't work to, for me to retire at 39. Um, I, had, I still had some properties, but nothing like what I had when I finally did retire a few years ago. I, don't, I never hardly ever, ever use that word retire because I do not like that word retire. <laughs> I'm not really retired. I manage my portfolio online with an iPhone. That's, that's my office. It's, and it's maybe five hours a week of, of any kind of work whatsoever. And it's really not work. Um, with crypto and, and equities, it's, uh, life has been really interesting in that world. Um, leaving the firm and leaving real estate. I don't know, Don, if you want me to go into my very specific properties. Um, well, I'm just a little curious. Um, so was, so was this something you, you weren't raised with this way of, of being this entrepreneurial spirit um, that you well, have? Well, we were on a or? farm. So okay. um, we, my, my, my mom and dad had a, a, when I was real little, had a little bitty farm and they grew it to a larger farm. So we were substan- a substantial farm by the time uh, I left for college. But a farm is a business. Sure. Um, it, it is um, basically an entrepreneurial, I come from an entre- entrepreneurial family uh, you know, they didn't manufacture shoes and, 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 sure. and uh, sell groceries, but it was a business, a farm business. So I guess that had a lot to do with it. And then my grandparents also um, were entrepreneurs and business owners as well, but very mostly agriculture, very, very small. And um, I remember when I was like 12 years old, um, my, my grandfather had retired from his farm. He was like in his early 70s, okay? And he was in Oklahoma, and we used to visit them. And I remember, I remember uh, it, it made an impression on me because my grandfather was in, Shawnee, was in Shawnee, Oklahoma, where he actually lived till, till his death. But he had sold his farm and bought this um, two- or three-story house. Um, it was, you know, this is back in the 70s, so that, this old house probably could have been built before the turn of the century. It was really old, and it was multi-level. And he had, he was a, a single guy then and, uh, grandmother died. And then his, so he had different people living on these different levels as renters. And that was really, I'm like 10 or 12 years old. And I'm thinking, wow, grandpa's making money off these people. Oh, so those kind of ah, things okay. stuck with me. It yeah. wasn't, I wasn't just there to play and have a good time. I was, but I'm thinking about those things at a very young age. Right. So that's some of my when, it, when I first started realizing the world is, there's more out there than just getting a job, getting a paycheck. Because I was, I was at a young age, I started realizing there was a, I, mean, I wouldn't want to say category of people, but I started to recognize the difference of wealth in people. You know, there were people that, and we didn't when I was a kid, but there were, I saw people that vacationed every single year. There was people that I knew that, that, that holiday multiple times of the year. And I knew you didn't do that unless you had, Something's going for you. There had to be money coming from somewhere. So I guess I realized with with a little bit of ingenuity, maybe I could be some. I could be some of those people that actually got the holiday more than once in a lifetime. <laughs> and right. of course, now I holiday every day all so. the time. Right? I know. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, so the other thing I want to ask you about is um, you told me about the book that you wrote mm-hmm. and the uh, influence you've had in the farming industry. And, you know, seeing different tax returns from different people and okay. seeing what they, you want to talk about that a little Well, bit? that's a big, that's a really big topic. We sure. need three more days. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so because I, I did mention that I was, um, I was raised on a farm 
And when I left the farm, I, I actually told Don this, is I'm never going to be around a milk cow the rest of my life. Well, that didn't work very well because I realized just very shortly after that, that once I, once I wasn't being forced to do things on the farm, I actually liked the farm. Um, if I could have it my way. Okay. And that's, sure. that's one of those things about being an, an entrepreneur. Is, uh, the entrepreneur spirit isn't, it isn't, it isn't, in my opinion, it isn't even primarily about making a lot of money. Not definitely not priority. It's it's about being. It is about independence, and, and definitely wealth brings independence. But I think that we, I know I would, I would. That's that's why I, one of the reasons I quit working for somebody else when I was thirty nine years old. I wanted that independence. But that wealth come along with that, and I knew I knew that that I could make I could have more freedom, and it just so happened that wealth come with that if I could spread myself out. Um, and I, I told something to Don. I think it was Don. I mentioned this about Warren Buffett, one of my old time heroes. You know, Warren Buffett was in a small business himself also until he was like fifty eight or fifty nine years old. One one small business, and it was successful, but it wasn't large. And it, at a at a at a fairly late period of time in his life, which now really is not to me is not that late. He, he, he realized he could, he, he did, he sold his business and started investing in, 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 in the equities and a lot of different businesses. And now he's, he, he's known for repeating this very famous statement that he says, it's much more profitable to own little pieces of a lot of different businesses than it is even owning your own one business. And that's kind of how I developed my real estate. I really wasn't interested in buying and owning and building an empire of 30, 40, 50 story buildings and having my name on the outside. I wanted a lot of, a lot of little pieces of, of real estate. And, and I think I, I really understood the aspects and the benefit of diversity. You know, if you happen to buy, if, if you got, if you had, all, and that's, that's that old cliche about having all your eggs in one basket. If you put all, all your money in one, one unit, and that something happens unforeseen, you're sunk and you're starting over again. So I started buying small properties and I never really bought very many large properties. Um, I even, like Don mentioned about the agriculture life that I had, my agricultural life really, it never really stopped except a year or two when I was in college because then I, I started buying farmland, small pieces, 40 acres, 80 acres, 107 acres, 500 acres, and then they kept growing and growing. Then I put several pieces together to a, to a large ranch. Um, that, that I don't like using the word expertise, but my experience in, even when I was a child, um, had a huge influence. Because uh, remember, it's not all about money, even though building wealth is very is very beneficial and, and it's, it's, it's a worthwhile project. There's, I, mean, I don't want to minimize that. But doing something that you really like, and I really liked um, uh, discussing and building upon and learning more about techniques. And I saw, I thought I saw as a kid that we were doing a lot of things that could have been done better farming. So when I started buying farms and putting them together, slowly I started, my mind started creating these ideas that were definitely not orthodox farming practices. And then I met somebody very, very important that became very, very important to me, a South African man by the name of Alan Savory. And he actually uh, uh, created the concept. He didn't create it, but he expanded on it, uh, the, the term that he calls holistic management. 
And that was probably close to 30 years ago when I first uh, met, I didn't meet him 30 years ago, I met him quite a few years later, but I, I was introduced to him and some of his mentors actually. And that kind of progressed with on my own farm over a, over about a 30 year period. And somewhere along about that 10 year period, um, I began uh, uh, meeting people that were interested in what I was doing in the agricultural world and doing it financially well. And they were saying, how can you do this? And I was a pretty young man at that time because typically farming now is a truly a multi-million dollar business even when you're considered a small a small farmer. And how was this guy at that young age being able to do that? Well, I'm gonna give most of the credit to holistic management. And then I started being asked to write uh, articles in, in, in agricultural uh, periodicals. And I, I, got, I got that, it wasn't a full-time job, but it got to the point where it felt like a full-time job. I think I was at one point writing for four a month. I mean, it's four, four articles in, uh, in different, four different magazines every single month. And then it started being online. And then one of those, one of those uh, publications is, was, is till today, it's Acres USA, is actually a, has, is a publishing company. It's recently sold to new owners, but with the prior owners, uh, I was writing for their magazine, and then they asked me to write, if I would consider writing a book. So I wrote the book, and the book's now on on on, on market for Amazon on Amazon.com. It's called Ranching Full Time on Three Hours a Day, which is truly a silly name, but it's what it means. And you can, obviously, uh, because I was doing it, um, making a good living on a farm, working th- three hours a day. Um, using holistic management. In a nutshell, that's what my agri- what my ac- the the probably the pinnacle of my agricultural world. And then when I decided to so-called retire, um, that ranch was a substantial piece of property that also was part of my uh, real estate portfolio, um, and it it went also. It sold. Everything sold. Mm-hmm. That might be your next question. I don't know. So. <laughs> no, um, that's that's great. So it it sounds like you. You came just came across these ideas and started implementing them gradually. Yeah, and, and, you know, and um, not gradually, I'd say, because I don't do any. I never did anything gradually. I was all in all the time. Okay, um, that's and great. I, and and, and, and w- there's a couple of topics we won't deep, go too deep into because I am the existential e- um, workaholic. There's no question about it. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I knew that when I decided I wanted to check a lifestyle change. I knew I had to completely get out of all my businesses 100%. Just like when I thought I could retire at 39, you know, I only had a, a few pieces of property. And the next thing, next thing you know, at 39, by the time I was 40, 41, I was way, 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 way over my head again. And just keep going and going. And it, it didn't stop until I said, okay, I'm done. And that's that, that, that idea of having to work 24-7, I don't recommend that to anybody. And in this conversation that we're having now, that that may be a seem like a casual part of the conversation. But what I, I guess one point that I would like to make, and, and I didn't I didn't I didn't ask Dawn if I could do this, but I would suggest that uh, we do uh, our um, our careers and our wealth building because I know it can be done on a more guided uh, trajectory than what I had. You don't have to go in 24-7, seven days a week for 40 years nonstop. It's not necessary. I, I have a personality and a character that tends to go way overboard all the time. I have no stop. And it took me a long time, 
until I realized that's what character I had. In fact, until, until I sold everything or got to the point where I knew I needed to sell everything, I thought I was, I was living a casual life. There was absolutely nothing casual about my, my existence. It was go, 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 go. And, and I want to, I want to make sure if I say anything of value that that's not a requirement to build wealth. It can be Good point. done. It can that's, be done. That's a great point. Um, and we did talk about that uh, the other evening, and I, I did want to kind of bring that up because it's it's easy, and I know I've I've been guilty of that before, you know, attorney and and being in that environment and working with partners that have no life and and that you know 16, 17 hours a day, seven days a week, and then you know the divorce and three small children that told them that they hated them on a regular basis, and working in that environment is not. Uh, uh, you know, is not pleasant. And it's right. certainly, it's like, oh, you don't want to make partner? Um, no, thank you. I, I, I don't want to be you, right, when I grow up. And so um, having that that balance in there is funny. I, um, just today I was kind of talking about um, the difference between um, endurance and resilience. And, you, oh. you know, the, the endurance, you know, like, you know, running a marathon and leaving it all in the field, and that's okay to do in short bursts, right? But it's not necessarily a good way no. to live your life. Right, um, you will burn yourself out. No, and you I think have to recharge your batteries. I agree. And and you uh, kind of learned that the hard way, I guess, um, from based on what we said. So uh, you had had said that that you told me about the moment when everything changed for you, um, which wasn't um, necessarily um, a surprise, but it was um, a shock. When you, you want to talk about that a little Are bit? Are you talking about marriages? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Do we have to talk about that? Okay, yeah. Okay, no, I'm okay talking about it. I probably wouldn't have been five years ago, but yeah. And that's, that's, that is one of the conversations that Don and I had. Um, it is still very challenging for me to talk about it because I know that, that I made huge mistakes in my personal life. Um, that I didn't know. And you think, well, how did you not know you were working 24 seven for 40 years? I thought she was taking care of everything else. And I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. I don't want to, I don't want to blame it on anybody. I don't want to say, well, that's how I was raised or things like that. It's, it was completely, I was oblivious to it. That's just, just your MO, I, right? I, I, didn't, I mean, that's yeah, just, I did just the know. way you operated. And so, yeah. So, and I, you know, the, the, the last 20 or so years, my life was, I'm flying here, flying there. I'm doing this presentation. I'm doing this book signing. I'm doing this this presentation. In addition to, to all my my rental properties and my agriculture projects and, and everything, it, it was it, and, and I never felt overworked. And that's the crazy thing. I was still grabbing more stuff. You know, at one point in time, I don't, it's like yeah, it's been over 25 years now. We started a small uh, food company, an organic food company that grew to quite to, to a pretty good sized food company and became quite profitable. Well. That was probably, and uh, and 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 my now ex-wife was very involved in that, and uh, I thought that she was pretty happy with that. While I was, you know, doing this and doing that, and what I realized afterwards, um, I was not knowingly, I expected too much from everybody else because I had no limitations on myself, and. Now I realize I can think back when I came home from one of those presentations, uh, being gone for a couple of days and she's gone. And so was the insides of my house, the interior of my house. Uh, 
oh. I sit there and I walk through an empty house and then I looked over at the, the countertop in the kitchen and there was a piece of paper. So I walked over and I picked it up. It was a Dear John letter. Okay, bye. You know, she's saying bye. And uh, I won't comment on whether that was a good way to leave or a bad way to leave. It's what she chose. And that's the reality that hit me. Oh, and she spoke a little bit about why, not a lot, but enough that it got me to thinking about something that I hadn't even crossed my mind. And I didn't sleep for the next two or three days thinking, what the heck am I going to do? And I didn't know what to do. For the next three years, I walked around in that house trying to figure out well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I, I was like, you know, uh, I obviously loved my wife a whole lot and I liked being married. I do like family life. It probably didn't appear to her like I did, obviously. Okay, so I was oblivious. That's this, and it was all my fault. So, and I took I took all the blame. So um, it took about three years for me to realize I can't. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a addict. I'm a I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm a workaholic. And I I've been that my way my whole life because that was not my first ex. That was she's not my first ex wife. So I learned I. It took me three years, believe it or not, of, of wandering around. And, and during that three years, I actually started selling. I sold the food business. And I started selling some things that were really, that needed my attention because my I, I psychologically knew I wasn't myself. So I had I had to pair, start pairing some things back a little bit. I didn't want to just lose them. I, I you know, I started doing it uh, uh, a responsible way, I guess you would say. I didn't sell a lot of property, but some of those things that were requiring my attention 24-7. Made some adjustments. Yeah, I did. And and I thought, well, it's kind of nice not having as much responsibility. When this when this thing sold and another thing sold. And then I said, oh, I see. And I, went, and I still have that letter, that Dear John letter. So I kept reading it and, and, and kind of filling in the blanks and said, oh, I, I, I'm, an, I'm a nutcase. I'm just a nutcase. I just like to work. And I was... Uh, I guess I was 57 at the time, 58, something like that. And not really, again, not really retirement age, but I didn't need any money. I had more money than I, than I would ever spend, it, which was wrapped up mostly in real estate at that time, but it could be easily liquidated. And I, I had, and one thing we left out, I'd actually started investing in equities in college also. So I had equities too. And I, the, and I, so I wasn't, I didn't have to, I didn't have to all of a sudden learn how to, make a living at, at, a, at a new stage in my life just because I was approaching retirement. I realized all I had to do is start selling property and move that money into equities, which I did. And now with cryptocurrencies, by the way, I love cryptocurrencies. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't know if I answered your question. No, I'm no, rambling. No, you did. I'm no, rambling. You did. So. Um, no, that's okay. So, um, but then you were talking about making the shift and did you get addicted to getting rid of stuff? Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Because you like, you like kind of went the other direction. And okay. Said, okay. Let me back up just a little bit. And I, and I, and I don't, what I don't want to do is get into a lot of personal aspects because I'm not a marriage counselor. Sure. Okay. And, and I, oh, the only thing I know is I created my own problems in my marriage. Okay. And, and I, I'm never well, going to for you for I, taking responsibility. Oh, it was for all it because, mine. It, yeah. it was all mine. hundred percent. She's a good it. woman. So. Once I realized I was an addict, um, I wanted, it, and it wasn't the type of business life. It wasn't the real estate. It wasn't because I had agricultural lands. It wasn't because I owned a ranch or because I had a food company or because I'm an author. It wasn't the, that wasn't the cause, the reasons. 
is all me because I did not have control over it. I had no brakes. There's no, there's no stop on me. So I knew um, that over those that three year period of just kind of wandering around on the ranch, I realized I want something different. I'm not ready for at three years. I'm not ready. I'm even today. I'm not ready for a relationship um, because I am not going to put another woman through that. But if I ever could think that I could, that I could um, um, receive another relationship in a good manner, I have to change my ways. And the only way I know this, the only, and I knew that then at the end of the three years, I knew the only way I could change my ways if I'm not connected to any kind of business whatsoever. And even today, even, even, and, and I was showing Don long ago, even th- this is my office and I, I, I don't, I limit, to, I limit myself to five hours a week. Uh, all I'm doing is, is uh, monitoring mostly my investments, which are all digital investments, nothing, nothing hard, no real estate. And I'm, and I've had opportunities and opportunities keep coming to me because that's the world I live in. So I have to really, I have to have a strong back and say, no, no, absolutely not. Because I know what will happen. Just like taking I, that I, first drink, that first drink, it will not stop. And, and, um, there's a whole lot of financial and economic details that we've skipped over real fast that, that came, that when I started selling properties, it gave me more opportunities for more properties. And it was so tempting to take that drink. I mean, it, it's, if, if, if someone's never been an addict of any kind, I don't think it's going to be probably a challenge for someone to understand the workaholic addict, but it is someone that isn't, has been an addict. They know, they know what I'm talking about. And it's a, it's a real thing. And maybe I was over the top, even on that, in that category, I think. And I laugh about it, but it's not, it was, it's because time has passed now, but it was no laughing matter five five years ago. Yeah. Well, and, and we talked about the fact that, you um, actually ended up making up some making some really good decisions by not reinvesting oh, um, yes. in the commercial real estate arena yes. uh, that you you right. later saw. Ooh, I'm glad I didn't didn't do that. Yeah, and and Don's quite familiar with some of it, and me being an old wore out tax guy, I, I, you know, I didn't want to pay taxes on a lot of property that I sold. Um, and we won't have to go into the details of it, but there's there's some loopholes in the in the tax code that lets you. Um, forego your capital gains tax if you basically stay in the business in, in one way or the other. And I am, uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, one of the things that we probably have in com- common is we want to pay as little amount of tax, tax as possible, possible <laughs> but we will not commit tax fraud. That's Most right. of us will not anyway, That's so I wasn't right. going to do that. So um, I didn't want to pay those taxes when I when I wound up selling, especially of the really big property. Um, and, and I looked at, I actually looked at a lot of properties to reinvest in and I had conversations with some of the people that I was having these kind of frank conversations with. And there was one individual that brought to my attention, Cliff, what are you doing? You're going to do it again. And she was right. Oh my gosh, she was right. So I, I, I said, no, and I paid the taxes. I paid the taxes, put the balance in, in equities and in, in cryptos. And I never looked back. And because, and, and I'll say one thing I've always been in, in, in from economic standpoint, I think, I've been, because I've, I've never been the sharpest fence post on the ranch. I will never claim to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I am a very lucky man. I am lucky. And uh, so this, all this happened prior to, to, to COVID year 2020. And even though a lot of people suffered and still are suffering financially from, from, from COVID, 
um, those of us that invested in certain areas like I did in the tech world, we we hit home runs all yeah. 2020. Um, I am lucky. The taxes that I was talking about didn't want to didn't want to pay. I made those back three or four times. Right. So you and, and and sometimes I I think that and I don't want to say it in, in my in my in my my place because I, I'm not I'm not a sharp guy. I'm, I am lucky. But some, I forget who it was that said it, um, maybe Einstein, maybe, or Abraham Lincoln, one of those, one of those guys said something about um, being lucky is, there's a big correlation between work, uh, being lucky and hard work. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think, um, I think it is, uh, you know, um, oh, well, I, I can't quote it. It's, it, I forget what it goes, something about wearing overalls, you know, hard work or luck gets, gets, is gets um, confused with hard work because it comes dressed in overalls and work boots. And I think, man, right. And that was me definitely. So that's where, if I had luck, that's where it came from that COVID. I don't know what happened in COVID. I just, I didn't think about the, the, the COVID coming obviously when I started investing and I'm not the only one that that's whose, whose our equities did really well. But you know, if I think if you, but I didn't just sit on the money either. I, I did a lot of research. Right. I researched for a long, long time. And and I and I still research and you never stop whatever your bit whatever your business is you know you can't really stop you got to keep going the constant learning yes it never because it, it, things things are constantly changing things change every single day nothing is the same tomorrow if you think it's the same tomorrow you missed something you didn't you didn't catch it and it is changing so I um, but but I don't manage people anymore um, and and most of us that, that that have been in business know that when as we scale our business. We will manage people. It's next to impossible to have a, a business of any type that I'm aware of um, and not manage people. And that really is the hardest part. And that's truly what takes most of the time, managing people. But I don't know if anybody's ever come up with a way to, to scale a business without having people um, except in equities in the markets. And then we can scale up, kind of like what the Warren Buffett said. You know, it was... Uh, it was it was better to have a whole a, a lot of piece a, a whole lot of little pieces of a lot of different businesses than one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just it's just it it just makes a lot of sense. So, except the fundamentals are all screwed up right now. But um, in terms could of be. The, <laughs> yeah, we could we could talk about that too. But yeah. uh, I had a conversation with uh, Mel, owner of uh, Soggy Peso, a few years ago. We were even it was happening back then of course we saw it in the dot-com boom you know back in 2000 but the correlation between stock price and earnings and all that it's it's kind of a scary time to you know and and I I hear people talking about that but I also was in business in 1979 through 1981 with 26% interest rates and all those 47 years I saw lots of things and I don't want anybody to think with this little conversation that we're having here online that I succeeded in every business I had because that, no that one is does. Actually, that's <laughs> not the case. And probably there was about a 70% failure. But the thing is you get up and you keep going and you never stop. And I think that's a big difference between a lot of people that maybe even if we're talking about investing in, say, say you've got a full-time job and um, you want to you want to start investing in something to build wealth. And people have said, well, real estate's good. Rental real estate is good. And you go out and you buy one piece of property and and you don't hit a home run. It's a bad deal. And and you wind up go belly, going belly up on your very first time out of the gate. 
a lot of people will stop and quit yeah. and say, I did that once. There's no money in real estate. Oh my God. Right. Ha- I, have, I have seen that. Well, that was, that was never me. I don't know why. I just, you know, um, I had some really good mentors beginning before college, but definitely in, in, in college. I have a lot of stories about some people that I met, like Sam Walton and, and Ross Perot. This is going way back, okay? A lot, a lot of young people don't know some of these names. So um, those people, uh, I, I, I made an attempt to associate myself at an early age with the people that I saw were succeeding. I didn't understand how they were succeeding, but you, you get it. Surrounding yourself. Yeah, you basically. surround yourself and you get little pieces of information. You know, when you're having lunch with Ross Perl on one side and Sam Walton on, on the other side. Wow. And we're just talking. And I mean, uh, yeah. And, and, and there's actually a photograph or two with that. And, you, and you, you hang on to those things, but you hang on to the words that they said. And then you, then you, then you, then you bounce on to the next one, into the next one, and you start you see similarities. And I think I, I, you recognize I, the patterns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I remember. I, I believe it or not, uh, our, our no longer President Trump. Um, I, I will just tell a very small story that he told me. He said, this, "You do this," and, and, I'm, I, and I, I, I stretch it a little bit because I want to put emphasis on it because I've said this over and over and over again. One of Donald Trump, President Donald Trump's uh, uh, words that meant most to me is he said, again, I stretch it because I'm going to put emphasis on it. He says, you never, ever, ever, you never, ever, ever, do you ever quit, ever, never. <laughs> and that's what it takes. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starved for adventure and new experiences? Do you feel like you're slowly dying inside, just a little, day by day? Afraid of having to work forever, with never enough money to retire, or live the life you have always imagined. Life doesn't have to be that way. Instead, imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? Join me for How to Retire Overseas on a Shoestring Budget. In this free live workshop, you'll walk away with your own custom roadmap to a dream life in paradise without breaking the bank. Register for our next free workshop at paradiseroadmap.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear.
Right. You cannot quit. You cannot stop just because your first try out of the gate was a failure, or maybe it wasn't quite as good as you thought it was, or or the market's changed, or or there's a COVID. Or it doesn't you matter. It doesn't matter what it walk is. Walk away from a marriage with nothing. That's right. Um, Don't you, stop. You want to talk about that? You you had mentioned that. Oh, uh, before my we first started marriage. Recording, yeah, yeah. And you said you you yeah, yeah. you started over. I did with nothing. Yeah, and I was were in, able to, well, to rebuild very quickly. Yeah. Um, is yes. that, is that, do you attribute, attribute that to the education that you, you gave yourself, basically, the experience? Well, how, tell, oh, tell I, me a little bit about that. By the that. time I was 20 years old, you couldn't stop me. Uh, obviously, there's good things and bad things about that. At 20 years old and at 58 years old, I wasn't wise enough or my hearing wasn't as good as it should have been even all those years. To when, when when someone in my family probably said something to me about, are you taking care of the household chores like you should be? Are you taking care of your Wi-Fi? If I if it if it was said, I never heard it. it so it it happened more than once, um, meaning I had more than one wife. So yes, Don, Don's talking about my first wife. I think we divorced when I was like thirty one, maybe right in that area, and I felt I real I felt. I was in business. I felt real guilty about about it, and um, I basically no, not basically. I did. I just I gave her everything. I, I, I whatever we had, she had, and um, you know even cashed out life insurance policies. And it's yours. It's yours. Now we were we were still building. We were still building you know wealth. So it wasn't near what it is today. But I this this is what I knew, and 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 this will sound a little bit uh, egotistical. And it's not meant to be. I knew. Because I owned several different properties by that time. I knew whatever we had built at that time. Number one, I knew I did it. Um, again, this is not egotistical. Um, and, but more importantly, knowing that it was me that built what we had, whatever it was at that particular time, I knew that I could do it again. And I could do it again much quicker. Because I don't have to make all those stupid mistakes that you make at 18, 19, 20, 21, all the way to 30. You try not to, and I didn't make very many of them because I learn. I, I do learn. I, I, I may not be the sharpest fence post in the ranch, but I can learn some things, but not about not as quickly about marriage and taking care of family. That's where I have a big failure. Um, I'm not gonna, probably not going to get a chance to repair that or fix that. Oh, I don't know. There's still time. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I, I, I do, I do know how to help other people um, create wealth and build wealth. And it's not about making money. It's about building wealth. And those two things are really, they're, they're hardly even connected. And then when I started traveling and speaking, it was about building wealth. It was, um, it was prefaced on agriculture um, because my, most of my writings at that time was about agriculture, but it, it was dealing with agriculture as real estate, as an investment, and the other assets as an investment, and how they can return for you. So I hope that I've helped some young people along the way during those years. Um, consequently, agriculture has gotten really tough. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not one to say, well, yeah, things are really hard today and it's tough. I don't really... I don't really fall for that because I'm. Ne I would never. If I was 35, 39 years old again, you couldn't stop me from doing. It. COVID would not stop me, and 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 just like the equities, I mean. So my equities have done really good during COVID. Those companies 
that I bought into. Those are those are businesses, just and not the same kind of businesses I had. Those businesses did really well too. Some sure. of those guys that are multi, multi, multi millionaires are billionaires now. Yeah. They didn't just crumble because something looked really bad on in, in the environment, and it was really bad. There's always there's always little there's always little cracks. There's always little day, pieces of daylight. All you got to do is look for that daylight and then wiggle in there and make make that make that crack a big opening and never stop. So and, yeah, so let's let's see if we can make that take that down to a, a more personal level. So you've obviously obviously done well for yourself. You you've been in a stage where you know basically walked away from everything and started over again at thirty. But what would you say to somebody that maybe is facing? Uh, a financial ruin situation at 50 or 60 years old and especially in this environment where everything's so high and inflated like where you know wave my magic wand and and you know you got to rebuild what, what, what advice would you give to someone that you is, know and, and I, I'm really I careful. know it and I'm, we'll give your legal disclaimer here that we're not giving financial advice that's, here that's for sure but, <laughs> that's, 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 yeah um you know you know that's that's the, the thing is, for me, it's a really easy question, okay? And it's a, it's really the same answer I give a lot of times on s- similar questions. And it's it's asked about, it's there's a response that people other people have given uh, that I also steal their, their thoughts also. You know, you're going to be 60, 70, 80 uh, in, in, in relation to education. You know, you can be 80 years old and have an education or you can be 80 years old and have no education. Now, and I'm not saying that education um, as why as far as diplomas and such and such is a key to to assure you of success in the financial world because it's not however it probably has never hurt anybody either so you can be 60 70 80 or 90 or 100 you can have wealth and you can have education or you can have no education and you can have no wealth so you decide. Just just because you're 56, just because you're 76, are you going to stop wanting to be creative in this world just because of a certain age? I mean, there's mornings that I wake up and I look in that mirror and I see this old man when I'm, that's not the old man that I am, but I see that guy. I'm not going to stop. Now, I'm I'm not going to be, I'm never going to not be in business in equities and, and other markets, but I'm not going to be, uh, because of the reasons that I've already given, in uh, owning a small business anymore. I'm not never going to do that, but I am not. That doesn't mean I'm, I have ever stopped learning ever. And I'm never going to stop building wealth. And I don't want to brag about it, but I've doubled my wealth since I decided to retire. And it, again, it wasn't because I'm so smart. It's just that I didn't stop. Remember never, ever, 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 ever stop ever. I don't care what the age is. I will, I will never stop. And if, if for some reason I wake up in the morning and the world's upside down and, and all of my all of my investments have gone flat, I'll just start again. I will and what stop. would you, so from a practical standpoint, what, what would you do? Like like do the same thing I did I've always done. I'd, I'd go out there and find a piece of property. And right. I'd start with scratch one. But it, it wouldn't take me as, as long, just like the second time I did it. And that's the thing that, that and So were you saying real estate uh, would, would be the foundation? You know, real estate you know what about the thing about um there, there are people that make money in every industry, and there are people that lose money in every every industry. You know, there are there are people that have in companies that that make and sell shoes and make billions of dollars, and there's companies that make and sell shoes and go bankrupt. Right. And 
whether we're talking shoes or appliances or, or um, I don't care. It doesn't matter what. And in real estate also, it, it isn't about the product. It's about you. So if it's me or if it's anybody else, learn, learn the field that you're in. Learn. And when I say field that you're in, I don't mean, I mean the dollars and cents. I mean, you, you've got, you've got to know how to read a financial statement. You, you've got to be, because probably if you, at some point in time, you're going to have to scale up, meaning one, renting your bedroom out. If you've got a house, if even if your house is a rental house and you've got an extra bedroom, renting that one bedroom out is not going to create a whole lot of wealth. One of the, one of the ways that we describe it is scale up. How do you scale up that bedroom? Well, um, believe me, I've seen people do this. Uh, they rent out both bedrooms, including their own bedroom. And I actually had an Airbnb and I did that. Actually, I moved out into the, for, for, for a weekend, I moved out into a camper for the weekend so I could rent out my bedroom. And, and I, quite frankly, I didn't have to have the money. I just did it because that's the, what my, my mind thinks. So you have to scale up. And you, 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 so get creative really is, is what I'm getting from yeah, you is, is just get, yeah. get creative and, and figure out like what, what but you, you have but you to can't, with. But you don't, you don't, you can't stop with renting one bedroom. Um, and us in the, that have been in the real estate business, whether it's agriculture or whether, um, it's, um, uh, you know, duplexes or, or, or condominiums, um, multifamily units, we start thinking it doesn't take long before we start thinking and that's why that's why my where my mind goes my mind and my mind goes to bedrooms well there's so many bedrooms that requires you know if you're if you're creating a 10 percent margin on on each bedroom how many bedrooms do i have till i can make a hundred thousand dollars a year you know that doesn't you don't have math. to be a, ma- a, a mathematician right. to figure that out you can but it's figure simple it out. math it's but very it's simple math, right <laughs> accounting is very simple reading financial statements is very simple but it, it, you're not typically not born with that knowledge. So you have to learn it. You have to learn along the way and it does get more complicated. So at some point in time, this is where I was actually going with this conversation. You, 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 you're going to have to, during this scaling up process, uh, and if you're a working class person, like most of my people, my, my, my people are, my friends, my family, um, meaning you, you don't have, you know, a, a, a rich uncle to go get money from, you're going to have to talk to a banker and the, the way that that banker reads you, your ability, your, your credibility to that banker, um, how he sees you and how you communicate with him, meaning your knowledge on, on finances and economics and the industry that you're talking about borrowing money for, that determines, not necessarily your experience and success at it, that determines whether he's going to give you that very first loan. And that very first loan is sometimes the hardest one to get. And, that, and, and, and I will promise you after that point, it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. And pretty soon the banker just says, oh, it's Cliff Holmes. He knows what he's doing. Give it to him. You know, it's, it's, and that's, that's, that is taking that confidence that you have in yourself. And, and we talked about having employees and, 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 and um, scaling up. You have to transfer, you get to the point where you can transfer your confidence and have, where other people are going to have confidence in you. You know, if you've got 35 people working for you and they and they think you're a loser, good luck with that. Yeah. If you people that work for you, you've got to have confidence in you. 
your banker and your banker is he works for you. Your accountant right. works for you. Your attorney is he's your he's your employee. You don't work for him. Right. If you don't like him, leave. There's a hundred thousand other attorneys, hundred thousand other bankers. But you build that confidence in yourself and and transfer it to the people around you, and then they help scale up the bedrooms for you. It doesn't mean it ever gets easy, and it probably never gets easier than it was the first time. But you never, ever, 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 ever quit. Never. Well, and it's, you know, it goes back to what you're talking about, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people that have the right way of thinking um, rather than thinking, oh, woe is me. You know, I, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I was even thinking about uh, when we first moved to the island here, one of the our uh, property management uh, company that we had at the time, he started out renting long term doing long-term leases and then dolling up the properties and turning them into vacation rentals. And so it was, and a lot of people um, have done that in Airbnbs in the States as well. So this idea that, oh, well, I've lost everything and I don't have any money, you know, there's always ways, right, that you can still that's build true. That, and that, that wealth, that income and that wealth without having that, those resources. That That's right. And I don't know if you meant to, but you you jogged uh, a memory of mine. And, and, and this is something I talked about when I, when I used to talk about I used to have give a lot of presentations and, and, and there's some disagreement among especially the younger crowds of today and what I'm going to tell you in this. Um, I, I believe that that, um, that, cons- that consumer debt is an absolute trap and I think it's a, a complete unnecessary. Uh, it's unnecessary. And it sh- having, having and, and I basically never had any consumer debt once I realized what it was all about. Yeah. And it was at a very young age. I might not even been 20 years old. Meaning, if I if I own something, I I owned it. If it unless it produced money, and right. that and a lot of people might not understand what I'm talking about. I can borrow money to buy a rental house. The good debt there's, versus bad debt. That's right. And, yeah. And, and and there's there's no amount there's no amount of of consumer debt that 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 I can classify as good. But there is there is an unlimited amount of non-consumer debt. That it's that it's all good. It can it can be all good, right. and that you know if if you've got one of the one of the problems that I'm that I'm seeing with people that want to invest in real estate, typically they've got a job. Maybe the maybe the guy and the, and the husband and wife both have jobs that make a pretty good salary, and every time they get a raise, they sell their house and buy a more expensive house and a more expensive car. All that's all consumer debt. They actually have very little disposable income than when they than five years ago when they're making a third of what they're making now. Right. But if they would just say stop, stop and live within their means and actually go back, and, and that's really hard when you keep buying a when your house gets about every three years you buy another fifty thousand dollar house and another twenty thousand dollar a car, meaning that the car is worth more than that. Right. Then you're you know you can drive a Honda a long time if you want that's to. Right. Okay. And if and, and you can pay cash more than likely for that Honda. But if you want to drive in, I drive an Infinity, but I still paid cash for it. But there's people that are 22 years old driving a, a $65,000 Infinity or a, or, a, or a Mercedes or a BMW, whatever, living in a, you know, living in a house that's, that's I probably never lived in that, that's, that, that value of a house. And they don't have any disposable income well, and they're never going to have any wealth. The, the food lines that we saw during COVID and, you know, there's fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 vehicles. Oh, yeah. People like, are in line to get free food. Um, you know, something that I, that I remember seeing and, and I don't I definitely don't want to think because I am not a, there's not a racist piece of skin on my body at all. Um, 
even before they, everybody started talking about racism, I, it was just a stupid thing to me. There, there's, there's no racism exists in me. But there's something that I noticed about, and, and it's just because of where I, where I was living, uh, 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 it's in my hometown, Springfield, Missouri, which is known for um, cashew chicken. They say that's where cashew chicken was invented. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's what, what everybody said growing up. And this is what I noticed. And I was a teenager when I noticed this. And probably very few teenagers would notice this. I would see, you know, uh, someone from the Asian community, and it's a small community, so you would see this happen. They would come in, um, and it could have been Asian, it could have been, it could have been, uh, you know, Mexican, it could have been French. It didn't matter. It just happened to be Asian that I happened to see this. And and Springfield is known for <laughs> for Chinese Chinese chicken. Well, that doesn't mean they're they're Chinese. It just it's just kind of a, a term that we use. And I would and I would see this Asian person, usually a family, a small young family, and they would come in. I see this happens so many times in, in that community. And I, and I, and since then, when I as an adult, a, a lot, older adult, I've seen it happen all over the world. Really, where I travel, I see I would see this young family, very young family, even with one or two children. And they were obviously had no money and that they were not driving a BMW. Okay. And somehow, I don't know how they would do this. Some before they bought a house or a car, they would somehow probably a rent or a lease the first time acquire the rights to open up a very small Chinese restaurant. I mean, hand to mouth. Okay. And because I, I, I saw it with my own eyes, even though it was not a legal thing to do, they lived in the back of that restaurant and they built that restaurant and they built the business from scratch. And it was an empty building when they moved in and they built, they would build that small business and we talk about scaling up. And like within just a couple of years, you, you could see that everything that they, everything, every penny that they made looked like they put it right back, back in the business. the business. And then all of a sudden, whatever the name of that, Little, little restaurant on the other side of town, they would open up another one. And within 10 years, they'd have them all over town. These little bitty, still pretty small, but the, and, 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 I, and I, I don't know for sure, but the, I'm sure by then they bought themselves a nice home and maybe a nice car. That's not the American, typical no. American way. We get out of college, we have start making this money. The first thing we do is buy a car and then a house, and we don't have any disposable income to invest with. Yeah, different different mentality. That that is like that that clicked with me. Yeah. So I I was against in my own family, which did cause some problems, against having consumer debt. I just never did have it. Yeah. Well, um, that's a, a good addiction not to have, right? Um, I think and, so. Yeah. yeah. I will make one caveat. The first house that I bought was where I lived. I had to borrow the money to buy it, but later actually that house turned into a rental. Mm -hmm. So I think. I think from that point forward, pretty much everything, every time I borrowed money, it had to have the potential to make money, um, earn money. Well, um, it, it sounds like you have the golden touch, but I know there was a lot of work that went in, uh, into it. So bravo. Um, I like to shift gears a little bit and talk about what your life has been like since you ah. retired and um, kind of. Well, for the first time, because I got married very young, um, right when I went to college, and I've been married almost practically every day since then until uh, until my last wife left. That was five years ago. I have been alone for five years. Um, I have been traveling the last two and a half or so, uh, international traveling for the most part. I never stopped. That was something that I had 
kind of dreamed of doing that I never thought I could do because I was in business all those years. And those three years that I spent walking around the house and the ranch trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do, that kept coming back into my head. I think I want to travel. And, and, and that kind of was, was um, a, a, a kind of a, a, a light beam way out there that said, okay, that's where I'm going. I can see the light, you know, I'm going to travel. And that's, that, that moved me, that motivated me partially to sell everything I had. And I, the, like the, like the, by the next weekend after closing, I was gone. Uh, and, and I woke up in Belize um, and I went south from there. Um, and I, uh, I, I am very happy the first couple of years, the route that I took, um, which is very, again, I'm not, I'm not afraid of taking the orthodox, unorthodox um, route. I took the route of a backpacker um, in Latin America from hostel to hostel, and I went all the way to Southeast Asia. And the learning experience from those that, that were much more experienced at doing that, only they were doing it in their 20s. I'm 60, okay, doing it. Uh, which after a while I got really comfortable with it and I'm completely comfortable with it now. In fact, um, even when I, I stay mostly in Airbnbs now, I still travel with only a backpack and, and occasionally I will, I will hop into a hostel for a week because I know that I know what goes on there. It's, it's exciting. They know where all the best places to be, where the food is. And no matter how much money I have, I am, always going to be a penny pincher. I always, I, I cannot <laughs> well, stop. That's and, how you keep and, it, right? That's right. Is, is not being... But I, I will tell you that one thing about that, and, and uh, it, it is kind of funny because it, it, it's come to surface more than once. Um, yes, I like the hostel traveling and, and backpacking and riding the chicken buses across Latin America. Now in Mexico, actually, mostly have been replaced with ADO air conditioning air buses. Nice so it's really nice. Coaches, right? But there's a difference now when I travel. I can say, and I can I can ride a chicken bus, and I can ride I can stay at a hostel for a month or two, uh, traveling in different countries. But what I do know is now, and I've done this on occasion, and I will never stop. After a month or two, if I feel like it, not which is different than most of the kids that are kids that are actually traveling the hostel, I can I can get a penthouse in the Hyatt anytime I want, right? And I do. <laughs> so I go do. to the five star all inclusive right. and uh, spend a couple hang out days. For, for, Yep, get my suds on and then go back to the hostel again. So that's, <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. So you also told me that you spent some time in Myanmar. Yeah, I've been all over Southeast Asia. Yeah, I, 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 um, I don't know how much detail you want on that. Yeah, well, we oh my gosh. a bit more okay. time. So, well, you know. I have a friend back in Missouri that's about my age that does um, some really good humanitarian work uh, in some of the orphanages in Southeast Asia in Myanmar. And um, I know it is Burma that they had a name change. Um, so uh, I, I told my friend Ray, who, who is third generation in this, um, in this uh, humanitarian project in, 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 in Manamar, I always told him for years, you know, someday I'm going to retire, someday I'm going to retire. Let me know, I'll come help you, uh, at least help with what I think I can do for you guys in, in, in Southeast Asia on one of your trips. He makes an annual trip there. He works all year long, his family works all year long to collect, collect what money they can and then they, they do what projects they can at the orphanages, like dig wells and things like that, whatever they do. do a lot of different projects over the years. And his father's actually uh, a retired neurosurgeon. And, and I got to see it. They actually built a hospital, a clinic over there years and years and years ago. So there, this is a, this is a long, time long project. project. 
And what do you know? I'm traveling in Latin America and I get a message from Rice. Something like, Cliff, you said you were the, you wanted to come. I'm going to be there in three days. You want to meet me there? Uh, 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 okay, right. I guess. So I dropped everything I was doing. And, and next thing I knew, I'm in Southeast Asia. And it was, uh, um, I have to be careful what details I give. Not because it's a secret, because I was moved with um, the stuff that Ray does in the orphanages. That is just the humanitarian work. It, it is. It changed me forever. And and, and I, I told Don a little bit about this last time we spoke. That um, when Ray's project was over for him to come back to the, to the states and go back to work to make money again for the next year's project, I stayed in Southeast Asia and traveled all over Southeast Asia. And one of the places that I traveled to was was uh, Cambodia, and I visited the killing fields. So I went from these orphanages of, of kids with missing arms and legs and, and, and just basically starvation. I guess I didn't get enough. Then I went to the killing fields in Cambodia and it, and it was like jabbing a, a, a knife in my heart. And uh, it changed me. That trip to Southeast Asia, um, a lot has changed, changed my perspective these last five years. But Southeast Asia and those events um, that were not just a little bit heart reckoning, they destroyed whatever um, evil I think I had in my heart and replaced it with, okay, it's time for you to do something good for a while. So I, I've been doing a little bit more and a little bit more. I'm searching for new, new things. I met some incredible people uh, in Ray's organization from Australia. We've just recently been talking about what what I've got a new book coming out, which you haven't oh, asked about that. Yeah. So I've got a new book coming out. What's next? And and one of my <laughs> friends from from Australia, there I I bet these really great nurses from Australia that were also on a, and we, we kind of joined forces when we were in Myanmar. And uh I made a comment about my new book coming out and, and within minutes she comes back with this message. Um she's actually South African but she she's living in in, 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 in Australia. She says, What about doing a because I made a comment, I'm not I, I, in my new book. I'm not out there to make money off my new book. Is I just I'm just doing it for fun. I do a little bit of drawing and art. I do that for fun. I do everything I do is for fun now. And she said, "What about doing uh, donating? We, we'll sell your. We'll help promote your book, and you'll donate part of that money for for our projects in Myanmar." I said, "That's a wonderful idea. I never thought about that." So I'm wanting to do more and more things like that. It's not going to be anything grand because I'm not a grand person. But I want to my my time on this earth um, has has slowly, finally uh, taught me something, and, and definitely my Southeast, Southeast Asia trip and the people that I met there have taught me that, that I can actually put something back in, not just take it out all the time. So I don't. Have, that's a that's a continued story because I don't know where it's going to go, um, but it's it is in the process. And I'm looking for those things, and I, I am participating in other projects, very small projects. My part of it's small anyway. So yes, I I I don't want to talk too much about it because I will start crying. <laughs> it will. Wow! So it really it really did uh, have a huge impact on you. It, I can't describe it. Yeah, it's too. And it, it's, I don't want to talk about it now. Sure. Well, this has been awesome. I I know there we could be here for hours and uh, talk about all kinds of, of things, but. I'm so excited for you and, and your this new chapter of your life and, Thanks, and the Appreciate direction it. 
Um, and I'm so glad we had an opportunity to meet. Before we wrap up, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to? Oh my gosh, <laughs> 63 <laughs> years of life. We couldn't cover it. Sort of, you know, um, Cliff's last uh, famous words, if, there, you know, if there's anything you... You know, I, I know that one, one, of, the, one of the things that, that Dawn is involved with, with I'm sure she's involved in a lot of things, um, is um, real estate, investing in different places. And wherever one, however one chooses to build wealth, I think that 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 it's that real estate itself, and that that's a very broad category. It's so broad. I think that it's hard to go wrong, and just never, ever, 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 ever quit, and never quit ever. <laughs> It'll come, and real estate's a good place. It really is. Great. Oh, that was awesome. That's a, that's a, that's a good ending. So, um, well, cool. Well, uh, to be continued, maybe we'll, okay. uh, we'll do a follow-up interview after the book's published and, sure. uh, catch up with you down the road. Sounds good. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit paradiseroadmap.com and register for our upcoming free live workshop, How to Retire Overseas on a Shoestring Budget. We'd also love for you to become part of our Live and Earn in Paradise Facebook group. Thanks for listening.